And here they are. Oh, here we are. It's Pedagodzilla. <laughs> Pedagodzilla at Playful Learning 2023. Live and on location. This has got like a full, a full body cringe going on for how cheesy this is. Like, oh, like I've just thrown lemons at her. Um, <laughs> I am your host, Mike Collins, uh, learning designer, senior learning designer at the Open University, man with the microphone, imposter syndrome incarnate, and I am joined around the table by... Giskin Day, principal teaching fellow at Imperial College and PhD student Yay. at King's College London. <laughs> and I'm Alex Mosley, one of the co-chairs of Playful Learning. And Rosie Jones, one of the co-chairs of Playful Learning. Cool, so um, we've just come out of... Uh, Giskin's uh, headliner for day two. We're recording this uh, halfway through day two, the midpoint of the conference, um, and it was an absolute belter. Just, uh, I guess, before we get into some uh, kind of some follow up from that, how's everybody's playful learning going so far? Love it. Feeling so inspired by everything I've seen and everybody I've met. Yeah, I mean, we we can't really say how good it is. I don't think. Can we, Rosie? But I will say how good it is. <laughs> <laughs> I leave that for others Rosie to say. Rosie and Alex have done a fabulous job, and Katie as well, on putting on such a wonderful conference. Mm. Is it, how, many, how many times have you been? I think this is my fourth. Oh, wow. Mm. And, and played a big part in quite a few of those, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, huge so. part. And a huge part in like our most distinctive conferences as well, I think. So mm. uh, that uh, when I was asking people about Giskin and, and, and thinking about how to introduce it today, that's their memories, like <laughs> transformational. So that's really exciting. We should talk about toys at some point in this discussion. Well, maybe this is a good opportunity too, because I was going to say, you know, why did you ask Giskin? What, what, what drew, drew Giskin into the headline act for the day? Well, uh, well, I was invited, that's why. And I had to say yes very quickly before I felt um, too much of imposter syndrome to, to talk my way <laughs> out of it. Uh, I, I like helping with the conference. I've done quite a few, uh, been involved in setting up conference game and the conference dinner, the pirate theme conference dinner, that was a lot of fun. And Rosie and I did the toy takeover one year. That was great. To so, sorry, toy takeover? The, the most amazing conference game. Absolutely amazing. Um, and, and I nearly ruined the whole of Giskin's keynote today just by telling them about the toy <laughs> takeover. <laughs> I thought maybe that was what we should feature. So um, one yeah. year we invited everybody to bring a soft toy, although we did run an adoption table because my son had just grown out of his 250 soft toys oh, of exotic wow. animals. So he kindly donated them to the conference. And we, I think it was at a time when Twitter was really big, but people were reluctant to tweet using their institutional affiliations about something like playful learning. One never needs to feel embarrassed about play, but, but sometimes um, you, you've got to keep an eye on what the, your institutional uh, corporate communications <laughs> think of what you're doing. And, and playful learning is a, play, is a chance to be silly. So the toys tweeted the they also we also had challenges for them and they people could tweet as their toys and it just deflected all of that and, and there was just oh. an extra level of silliness that went on at the silliness and extra level of permission um katie yeah. uh, the the other co-chair she she comments um from that that conference that she did things that 
Katie wouldn't do <laughs> because her toy could do them. And so she, she kind of was a little bit naughty and a little bit cheeky. And, oh, that's and, wonderful. Yeah. Just like that thing with, uh, with puppets where people find that the puppet can say something exactly, that they yeah. can't. Oh, that's absolutely yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And one of the keynotes at that conference got kidnapped. Yes. Yes. And so there's a whole <laughs> mystery to solve. As I well. nearly showed that video. Of me screeching and screaming as, yeah, as it got um, very complicated, it didn't did it? It did get very complicated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Of course it did. <laughs> they, so, were, they were kind of critical too, though, as well, weren't they? So, that, so that the toys were getting into some serious kind of critical pedagogic arguments about play as well, um, which, again, people might not have been comfortable to get into by themselves. So there was quite a bit of subversion going on as part of the, oh. the toy side as well. Bring it wasn't back the all toys. innocent. Bring back the toys. Yeah. I want to be in this activity. I want this to run next year. But it's probably the point where we were most out of our comfort zone as an organizer, actually. I mean, the, the whole conference is almost the opposite of a normal conference. We talked about that in the in the podcast last year, I think. But the um, the fact that we thought, okay, grown, grown adults will come to the conference and we ask them to bring a, a soft toy with them and the soft toy is going to be part of the event and we'll run a keynote with only soft toys and this kind of stuff. And actually, everyone loved it. <laughs> but this is very much the playful learning ethos, though. And there's a the theme every year goes goes deep. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a skin every year. Like it's 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 bled. It's wonderful. It's it's bone deep. But just to listen, just to um, roll back now to your keynote earlier. So you were talking to us um, about a whole range of things, including what I can only regard as an A to Z encyclopedia of every possible playful activity it's possible to run. It feels like you've got the entire set in your arsenal. Like you've got any activity for any particular situation in the bag. You also talked, uh, us, well, you also rickrolled an entire audience um, <laughs> with a little bit of Rick Astley, which was just delightful. Um, you introduced us to your breaking bag escape room, which I love so much. It is absolutely showing up um, in a copyright infringing way uh, somewhere in my practice. Um, and it introduced us to the concept of intellectual burlesque. Now, for... Um, the people at home whose ears have pricked up, um, hopefully just there is, um, at that. Um, can you just talk us through it? Yes. Well, I think we're all drawn to stories, aren't we? Uh, and I love an, an activity that allows one to actually, yes, build your own adventure or adventure if it's in an educational context. So I, I, I love um, designing games which allow for a reveal so there are different stages to them and it's a prop prop and prompt type game so there's a prop uh, I love a theme as well so fully buy into any kind of theme that uh, that I've gone for and um, then a prompt and uh, some of them are, are silly and some of them are much more deep so you can ask people about professional development but I think there is something about um, allowing it's quite exposing to just talk about yourself. And this is why the toy takeover worked so well as well, is that once you have a little avatar, you have a little uh, wooden person or uh, some kind of thing that you're talking about, you, you prepare to be far more revealing uh, about that because you're actually talking about that thing rather than yourself, even though you're talking about yourself. So I think that very successfully disarms pe people, and of course they still choose their level at which to um, to tell other people about themselves and their professional development. But that kind of staged journey with always a denouement at the end. I think you've got to finish your story properly. So there's almost always a treasure chest or an additional secret clue 
that will lead you to something surprising at the end. Um, I, I think a sense of generosity is what I, I've, I value in, in the game. So I always try and, <laughs> try and make it, uh, it, it does take effort. I, I do put a lot of effort in it, but people kind of appreciate that and are prepared to go along with it because they can see that uh, usually it's hand crafty, crafted mm. and, and, and always a little bit wonky or, <laughs> you know, I'm not, not cut it you, you can see the love in it. You can see there's like real love. There is love it. and it, that's genuine. I genuinely love doing these. I, I love interacting with people and creating excuses for connections mm. is uh, my favorite thing of all. I was going to say, I, one of the notes I wrote um, during your talk was um, uh, more collaborative taskmaster at times, just sort of like a benevolent Greg Davis. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's a very good description. <laughs> um, so you were talking uh, particularly about these activities in the context of uh, medical students. Why do you think it's so important for medical students, particularly all students, obviously, but medical students particularly, to actually have these um, opportunities for playful activity in their learning? Oh, well, I teach fourth-year medical students, and let me tell you that 90% of them are questioning their life choices, sadly, because I think we absolutely need the... I mean, they're absolutely wonderful students, but medical education is really tough. The whole medical professional is, has, has changed out of all recognition um, since they probably conceived of the idea that they wanted to be a doctor. But I think what I value most about play in the medical curriculum is that medicine is, is not just a technical accomplishment. It is creative. We need creative medical people. We need people to not just follow a protocol, to be able to make decisions when faced with uncertainty, to justify their choices to themselves and to others. So that kind of situation in which there's no right answer um, is really important for exploring how one manages uncertainty because absolutely patients do not present as multiple choice questions. Uh, so that, that I think is a justification for teaching humanities in the medical curriculum, but for play especially, and also it's been tough, and I think education should be fun. So that's what I love creating um, micro-ethical bursts of playful activity. Oh, that's such a good phrase. I was going to go with um, using the humanities to add humanity to medical education, but that's yeah. much better. Oh, that's a good, that's, that's a t-shirt slogan right there. So out of all of, of I've talked about the uh, the A to Z, the encyclopedia, the um, ammo bag of um, activities that you have. I mean, you literally bought a tent full when you're just here today. I can only assume that you drive around in a tour bus. Um, out of the whole set in your arsenal, what's your absolute favourite one? What's the, the one that you go to like, oh, I can't wait to do that one again. I bloody love it. Oh, well, that's, that's a good question because often my, I'm not actually present when my games are played. Oh. So I set them up and then I go and sit anxiously in my office and hope it's all going well. Oh, that sounds horrible. <laughs> well, it's just like that, isn't it? Because you have to let people go off in their pairs or their teams to do stuff. Um, so, oh, my absolute favourite, oh, I think it is really made by the environment. So I've, ha I've had a, a lot of fun with particular groups that have been particularly up for it. And I have to say that games run to play for learning are right up there. Mm. But oh, I, sorry. I, I, <laughs> 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Right. Uh, I'll ha- I have to come back to Medical Monopoly, though, because setting up Medical Monopoly is a great deal of fun. I have to visit 20 museums to check the questions. Oh, what a... <laughs> and often when museums are on your doorstep, you think you can go anytime, so you just don't. But, but actually, the few days that I have running around London, setting questions in museums is a lot of fun. So I think that's probably up there. But but I love them all, actually. Otherwise, I wouldn't do them. And last one. What are you being paid by Flying Tiger? (laughs) I wish. I wish. Uh, I worry that that... uh, Because Hammer went out of business, didn't they? Um, And I I was also... uh, The thing is, one has to try and be sustainable. And I really have to resist my my impulses to buy lots of cute stuff that I just love working with. But uh, I, I think this is important to do. I've stopped using glow, cutting up glow sticks and some activities because um, it's just not environmentally friendly, sadly. So I think one has to, to keep an eye on that. So, so yes, uh, I, am, I do like flying tiger stuff. <laughs> I do try and reuse props. <laughs> if uh, you work for Flying Tiger and you're listening to this... Um... I could do with some sponsorship because yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm quite out of pocket for some of my games. I was going to say, you're getting some free advertising here. I think uh, you owe Giskin. Um, so bringing us back to the general conference now, I guess this is for Alex and Rosie. What's special about this year? What's this year's theme? What's special about this year? Oh, so I, I, of course we're doing festival this year, but actually I think what's special about this year is we've gone to a really big effort to try and get everyone included in the conference. And and I think it's probably, hopefully, if we get to the end of it, okay. Um, you can visibly see the difference this year. So the um, campfires that we've convened have purposely broken up groups maybe so that they'll talk to different people the challenges and that mechanism is really to encourage people to have something to do we've got this padlet so people can recognize each other and and we are going absolutely out of our way and driving everyone mad who's trying to sit on their own just to check that they they feel like there's an entry point or an access point and so that that to me that feels like a, a, a change um, we were always friendly, don't get me wrong, but I think we are super conscious of that uh, this year and we're really, really making a big effort. Yeah, and we, I think since from, from last year's conference onwards, we've deliberately been much more open and inclusive about the way we've designed the conference as well. So we've, in, we've involved our presenters, for example. So the 30 or 40 presenters who are, who are running sessions, all the workshops uh, of these three days, We've been engaging with them right since Christmas um, on, you know, what should we do at the conference? What what does the festival theme mean, actually? What would it turn into? Um, how can you make your sessions inclusive? How can we at the conference help you to do that? And so a lot of those conversations, we created a, a kind of um, a set of principles last year with the participants that, that have guided us this year in what we do. And so things like the campfire came out of that, the padlet came out of that, definitely. Um, and it's just been a... I mean, really, the, the, the kind of six years we've run physical conferences and the seven all together with COVID, um, I think we're, we're iterating each time and we're learning each time. So things like competition is a really interesting topic 
Um, I'm sure. I'm sure on some of the podcasts, somebody would have mentioned competition or collaboration. But we, you know, ev everybody who works in game design knows that there's, there's a blend of con competition and collaboration um, needed in order for a game to work with a wide population. Because there'll be certain people who just will avoid competition or avoid collaboration, and then lots of people who just mix it depending on their emotions at the time. And we, we struggled, didn't we, with missions where everyone had to do a mission and there was a prize and a winner and a leaderboard and that kind of stuff. And if you don't like competition, you, you're left out of that. Mm. So combining the kind of campfires with a, with a kind of, you know, community aim, you're building a collective campfire by completing missions and working together. It doesn't have to feel like competition at all. It can just feel about a collaborative activity. But there are some people who are looking at other people's campfires and with a bit of envy. <laughs> because, because, yeah, we, ha we do have, we've got lots of, uh, sort of game designers and developers and uh, sort of just competitive geniuses really around us who can't help themselves. They've got to win. Thinking specifically of Penn's breakfast plates this morning. Oh, well, and Simon is also very competitive. I remember from previous conferences, he goes the extra mile, doesn't he? Or steals his children's toys. You know, at, that, true, at the end yes. of that conference, he wouldn't leave his toy because he'd actually stolen it off his small child. <laughs> that is, that's next level. That's absolutely next level. So the festival theme then. How has the festival theme influenced the conference this year? I have a personal theory on this, but uh, I want to kind of get it from the, uh, the we, horse's mouth. We kind of need a personal theory, don't we? Because it, it, we, we haven't really figured out how to festivalize the conference until very recently. So, so if you tell us your theory, Mike, we can tell you if that's, that's ours too. <laughs> I, oh, I, I, I see what's happening here. I see what's happening. Oh, the, oh what, yeah, what you said was, no, it's so, yeah, no, my, my personal theory is that actually this was already uh, becoming a festival. This is already becoming a festival of play and a festival of play and learning. Um, very much the atmosphere. I mean, last year was my first year. And there was, uh, I used to go to a lot of land festivals, which is a similar sort of celebratory thing of a lot of people who love a thing coming together to do the thing together and be around other people who love the thing. And that's very much what this is. This isn't like a regular conference where it's a lot of people who maybe quite fancy a couple of hotel nights in the middle of a city and will sit through some presentations to get to it or just have way too many business cards and really need to get them out there. This is people who genuinely love a thing and not just that have between them built a space uh, sort of a, a socio-conceptual space in which to do that thing and be around those people i mean that's my theory so you the, the festival was already here you just asked us to bring hats this year brilliant i i, I think you are absolutely spot on funnily enough mike oh, <laughs> is it, oh what a chip <laughs> but but uh, yeah that idea actually when when alex and i were saying how do we weave it in some of the difficulty has been that we we're already doing it. Um, so the idea of just bringing your hat is, is absolutely spot on. I suppose the only kind of really conscious decision we made was not defining the type of festival. So, um, and I think, again, that was really important because everyone's got an access point then. So there's elements of a music festival here. There's elements of improv and comedy type festivals, uh, you know, literature. Like, so... So again, the entry point for people is easier. You're not coming to a music festival where everyone's going to have to sing mic. Just, just saying, sing, sing, sing. Great performance last night. Um, yeah, I uh, think that was a thing to wake up to video evidence of in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but, but you know, the, the, you didn't. You don't have to be the person who's in the centre of that. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that's kind of what festivals do. You know, festivals allow you to either be hidden in the crowd and take part and have fun in that way, or to be centre stage, which a lot of our delegates like to be as well. <laughs> It's a genius theme. I mean, it rescued me. I was—I knew I wanted to do a kind of choose-your-own-adventure type uh, thing in my keynote, but how to story it was a problem. And then I just, oh, thank goodness, <laughs> the theme came through, and then I thought, oh, yes, I can think about different stages at a, at a festival and do it that way rather than trying to theme it around a trip around the world. And so I, I was incredibly grateful. Yeah, and I, think, came. and I think we gradually realise that, that that is what happens every year. So we, we've always had a theme, and actually what makes it is how the individual people who are coming to the conference generate the theme themselves. And it's not, it's not just in the individual sessions, but, you know, people put posters up with, you know, missing cats and things like that around the place, as we found over time. We get, um, we get people bringing kind of, yeah, boxes and just leaving them on reception with mysterious notes for people <laughs> to take away and do. Which would be sinister in most other settings in Indeed. modern climate. <laughs> but yeah, so, so the, 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 the participants just come and create the theme for us in many ways. And the other thing that we, we realised very late on but, but suddenly switched it on for us was that um, we just changed the name of everything. So instead of, instead of rooms, we have stages. <laughs> and, and instead of keynotes, we have headline acts. And... Sometimes it just takes the little things like that. It is so strange that that little bit of language really does change the vibe a little bit, doesn't it? Because I think everybody this year, this is a distinction I've drawn actually, this year everybody's dressed a little bit more informally than last year. I think last year I came in a shirt day one, a colourful shirt, but it was a long sleevey job, you know, so not mucking around. But, you know, there were a lot more sort of shirts and trousers and sort of people looking a little bit more kind of business casual. not trousers. I've gone with shorts. Yeah, we've got some people without their trousers on walking around the conference. Um, (laughs) Uh, no, there's, there's quite a few people wearing shorts, yeah, but it's, it feels like that kind of that festival vibe, just by through the use of language, has loosened people up just in their clothing choices. Well, I have to turn. say that these guys are genius at metaphor, aren't they? And it just works on every level. Well, that actually brings me to my next question on this. Just on the Playful Learning Festival in general, why does it work? Why do you think it works? It works, clearly. At least, I think it works. I think it's great. Why do you think it works? These are our late night conversations, I think, aren't they? <laughs> Why does it work? And I think a few, a few, well, actually only two years back, I think we sort of distilled it with Nick Witten, the previous chair. We sort of, we sat down and kind of distilled it into a set of, um, I don't know, what, what, how would you describe it? Kind of principles or, you know. Principles. Sim- principles, I guess. So about six or seven principles and we always argue about the last one i always say it's dinosaur nick nichols says it's something else but we we have six or seven principles um and they kind of guide us you know and they're around kind of you know failure agency openness that kind of thing and it's it, it brings together people who are, who are, accept and adhere to those sort of concepts and they're drawn from play so they're naturally bringing people who are playful in their approach and attitude and so that's probably i think what sets us apart so you could you could be very seriously playing games in your subject and, and never come into contact with playful learning because you're, you, you've not got a playful side that then starts to help you look outside. Whereas you've got somebody who's not, not even figured out how to do it yet but has a playfulness about them and comes to the conference and gets inspired and that kind of stuff. So I think, I think that's what we've done. We, 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 don't, we don't get people coming and, and showing us really boring simulations that have no play in them or anything like that. Whereas some of the other conferences that, you know, talk about playing games get a lot of those. And we just don't get them as submissions. 
So I think it attracts people who share our values. Values is the word I was looking for. Yeah. I, just to add to that and just an absolute plug for this venue. I mean, we are incredibly lucky that this venue goes with it. Uh, the, it's such the, a good space. But but they are not, you know, they, they don't even bat an eyelid as we tell them that we need to, I don't know, create a giant otter ball pool or we're going to be, you we, know. We built a wicker man. Yeah, they, they, they're just fabulously accommodating um and we've been incredibly lucky with that i think yeah so, so sad and we do we do choose venues kind of on that basis so we so we you know we delayed a decision to move it from manchester before we moved it from manchester until i'd found a group that could run it properly um so luckily it was at my institution at the time at the university of leicester and actually the, the team here are are you know accept those values completely and a good kind of indication, I think, of where it works really well is when it, it flows right the way through the way that they support the, the conference. So in, in both Manchester and Leicester, the catering teams have absolutely bought in to the concept. Yes, we're difficult. Have. We're difficult because we're vegetarian only. We have been right from the start, just, you know, in terms of supporting sustainability mainly. But we... Um, that actually puts a it puts a constraint on the on the caterers and gives them a challenge that they've got to work towards and they are extremely creative in the way that they you know last last year we had kind of a barbecue vegan barbecue and uh, and a um, a kind of movie night with hot dogs and nachos and stuff like this it was it was amazing food was delicious and this year we've got a kind of because it's the last year at Leicester we've got a local Leicester theme to everything so it's kind of it's reflecting the different nationalities we have re represented in Leicester, the different diverse, diverse populations with, you know, kind of um, uh, East Asian, Middle Eastern, uh, West African food. Um, yeah. And it just it just they just go with it. But then we have things like, you know, they've got pick and mix out for break at the moment as well, just to keep it a little more. And, playful. and, and brownies. I have a little brownie in a cup as my, <laughs> oh, my post recording chaser. Um, but no, the, I mean, the food has been superb. <laughs> oh, my God, that pad thai. Yes. That, I'm not normally one for tofu, and that was mm, <laughs> yum, diddly scrumptious. So I've got just two more questions, and then I'll let you go. First one is we've been singing the praises of playful learning um, and how it's built by its values, both in terms of people and the kind of the environment that you've created. But if we're talking to people outside of that space, how do we explain the professional benefit to them? How do we explain that this is something that actually has a tangible benefit to our practice? I think for me, and, and I'm now in a leadership position, I think Lara kind of challenged this yesterday with her keynote and I was reflecting on that and I was thinking, how do I convince my kind of leaders that this is something that is of benefit to I don't know if it's serious meeting or, or um, uh, something that we're doing um, at, at that kind of strategic level. And I have to say, um, yeah, I've had a few serious work conversations whilst I'm here. And actually, I just can't stop myself from reflecting in those conversations what I'm learning here. And I've, I've, can't, I've not been learning for a while. And I think there's something in that that playful space that's given me permission to experiment again and think creatively and think innovatively and 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 i still think that that's the key selling point at that that kind of level so if i was to look at my approach it's it's that freedom piece it's that public failure um i think that that's huge and it's missing it's missing at that layer mm. and i think 
um, universities in particular would benefit from um, a few more leaders who are prepared to, you know, to do this kind of activity and see what that then prompts. I definitely feel, yeah, I'm going to go back with new ideas and adopt new practices. Yeah, and I, go, and I, I was very lucky in that um, two years ago I moved to Anglia Ruskin University, which is where I am now, head of learning and teaching there. And I openly went to the interviews and, and joined the organisation saying, actually, I, I'm a playful leader. You know, that's my that's the ethos that I work on. I shared my principles that were all based on playfulness and and they embraced it, actually, and have done ever since I've been there. So I lead my team playfully in my in my mind. You have to ask them. Some of them are here. <laughs> <laughs> they look they look fairly happy, but you'll have to you have to go a bit deeper to find out. But they. um Yeah. So, so you know, I use things like accepting failure, openness, agency as part of my leadership approach. And as Rosie says, I think when we get more leaders at whatever level whether whether you're you know managing one member of staff or a big team or a university if we can get some of those leaders to 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 challenge the way that things are done and and think playfully about it with those principles it still keeps it serious business you know there's still there's still good work needs to be done by the institution but let's do it openly let's do it by including everybody let's do it allowing for failures that will happen along the way and learning from them we're education establishments, we should be able to do that. Um, and the good thing is that because we've now been running Playful Learning for eight years, including the, the, the pause for the pandemic, we've got leaders here. So there are leaders here, we know now, who are pro-vice chancellors, for example, who when they first came to Playful Learning were not. And so they've been on the same journey that we've been on. And, and more and more of us will become leaders in our own in institutions, whether it's educational or, or outside in local government and so on. Would you credit that entirely to Playful Learning? I'd like to go okay. to PL, <laughs> go to PL, become PVC. Why not? Let's say that. But I think even for individual teachers who perhaps don't have the capacity to progress, uh, putting in an application to the advanced H HE now it used to be called the Higher Education Academy uh, really helps. I'm convinced that my national teaching fellowship is a result of my playful practice. Yeah. I was able to write that in. But I think there are two other trends in in education that have been absolutely key to the success of playful approaches. One is that you can look up information that you need on the internet and the traditional forms of learning really need to be looked at. And playful approaches actually model um, problem solving, uh, dealing with uncertainty, all of that really, really well. So, so that's one thing. But the other thing, as much as I would reverse it in a second if I had the power uh, <laughs> about uh, fee charging uh, for students, is that the student experience is now really important, taken seriously. Whereas previously it was all about income and research whereas I think now student experience really taken seriously. Certainly it is in my own institution. And there is no doubt that if you, if you catalyze play and connectivity and collaboration through play in your teaching, that it enhances the student experience. Absolutely no doubt about it. So certainly, you know, one can make a case for getting a little bit of funding from your own institution to run something fun and playful. It really makes a difference. So I think that th that all helps. It's on the ascendancy and the popularity of the conference is uh, one measure of that. 
couldn't agree more. I think that's a wonderful way to summarize. I mean, play is a mechanism for communicating love and it's a love of a subject. And it's one of those ways that you can get yourself into what you're teaching. And I think as, as you know, I, particularly those of us who work at big organizations where there's a lot of mechanisms and things in place to put teaching together, it's sometimes easy to lose the play and the love in the, uh, in the process. So that's such a Absolutely. sweet way of putting it. I think it is about love. And I would advocate that everybody not only think about the classroom, but think about, because you can craft, in fact, when you asked me what my favorite games were, possibly outside of the educational environment of things that I've made for other people, either to celebrate their wedding anniversaries or uh, just a significant birthday, where just a kind of a kitchen think drama where you have a few little props and prompts for people to play with each other in their families that's the way I express love and appreciation for quite a lot of my significant others so taking it out it doesn't just have to be in the classroom I think um, just uh, taking a playful approach to life is just life enhancing for those that of, uh, of us that design them and being on the receiving end so um, pro-vice chances if you're listening Life enhancement. It's where it's at. So that's the new staff benefit you should be delivering is better lives for everybody. Okay, last question, and then I'm going to let everybody go because um, I get the feeling the conference has moved on somewhat because we're now alone. <laughs> we're at the midpoint of the conference. Um, what's everybody looking forward to for the latter half? Oh, absolutely everything. I'm looking forward to the activities tonight and engaging with... Um Leicester, it's a city I've not been to before, so that's exciting. Um, but but I, everything is just wonderful, so all of it. I'm looking forward to our, our keynotes tomorrow, actually. We've got, we've got three for the price of one tomorrow, uh, and we've got three uh, Danish PhD students. In fact, one of them has just completed his doctorate successfully, so, so he's, we'll be celebrating probably at the moment, and we'll have to pull him back down for the session tomorrow. Um, but we, um, yeah, we, they're, they're three students who've been working with us as a kind of playful community to to bridge that gap between kind of mainland Europe and and England, and we won't make any political comment on that at all. Um, but um, but they they've been a great kind of reminder to us that the, we have a, um, a a kind of younger generation that are coming through and they're creating PhDs around these topics. You know, they're working directly with students, with staff, with children to develop playful approaches to education and they're and they're out there studying it right at the moment and so we all this leadership we've talked about you know we've got future people coming through as we speak and we're seeing that tomorrow that's fantastic so they pinched the 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 two things i am looking forward to definitely this evening and definitely the keynote so um i'm looking forward to working out what on earth we're going to leave the conference with tomorrow morning, which Alex and I usually regroup and work out what's happened today and, and how to get the energy levels up. And actually, I've really enjoyed that bit, Alex. We've been It gets us to really reflect and think about what we're trying to drive that morning and what we're, where we're seeing kind of places we could improve. Or uh, Yeah, I'm liking the thinking on my feet. So uh, let's do more of that. I've enjoyed the little skits they have. Uh, I've done improv, haven't I? I mean, <laughs> I think I've got a new career. Well, I think you two do model what you your values in that you are collaborative and playful and spontaneous and generous. And inclusive and welcoming. Yes. And fortunately, you can't see blushes on podcasts. <laughs> yeah, I've probably got a sound effect for that. Um, no. Um, <laughs> a little bit that like sounds that. like a Japanese traffic light. <laughs> okay, so um, I'm going to let everybody go on to the latter half of the conference. Um, 
where can people find you online and do you have anything that you want to plug? Oh, goodness. Um, I, well, I can't really actually think past having um, prepared for the conference. So, so no, I'm not plugging anything, but I'm absolutely open to conversations, love talking about this stuff. So um, absolutely come find me either. Well, Twitter, I mean, gosh, we've used Twitter as such a nexus for play over the last few conferences. So it's a bit sad what's happening there. Uh, so we'll have to watch that space. But um, uh, luckily I have a well, I, unique name, Giskin Day, so I'm easy to find online and I'm always happy to hear from people. Brilliant. I mean, you know, I have to have to toe the official line because I want to, which is, you know, do do look for PlayLearn23, both on Twitter and also Instagram. We've, we've, we've spread out a little bit into our different social platforms this year, but just search for it on the web as well. You can follow along the conference. And if you're interested... Uh, and listening to this and have never been to Play for Learning but want to get involved, the Play for Learning Association. Search for that. Oh, yes. You can join that. It's the kind Endorse of that. underlying organisation behind the conference. And uh, we do all sorts of other stuff as well as the conference each year. Yeah. And just to reassure you, it's not a cult. It's just... Absolutely not. No disclaimer way. needed. <laughs> um, I would agree with that. The commercial bit, the Play Learn uh, 23, the association and the free events that we do, that are amazing. So yes. if you want an access point, that's the point. And actually, the other thing I would just plug is I am absolutely really interested in more reviewers for the conference. So we do blind review for anybody submitting abstracts, and we'd love to diversify who gets involved with that. Um, so if anybody does, I'm on Twitter. I don't. I do have a distinctive name because I have a lot of initials. So I'm Rosie J H Jones, not to be confused with any other Rosie Jones at the moment. Please on Twitter. Um, so so uh, please reach out if you'd like to be involved with that. Thanks so much. Well, with that, I shall bring us to a close with some final cheesy music. So Giskin's got the. I've got my cringe face. The cringe on. face is on again. Here we go. And of course, the crowd. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. Uh, I've been Mike. Um, you can find me online at Pedagodzilla, and you can also subscribe to the podcast at www.pedagodzilla.com. Uh, this is the end of our day two coverage, and there will be a third and final day of coverage published at some point tomorrow, possibly after lunch while everybody else is driving home. Um, we love you lots, and we'll see you next time on Pedagodzilla. Have a good ride of the conference if you're here, and if not, come next time. Bye. 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 Quick unplanned edits. This is where I found James. We did a quick interview with him. I've tacked on at the end. Enjoy. Cue cheesy music. <laughs> Cue the crowd. Oh, they love us. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Pedagogzilla, the pedagogic podcast with the Pop Culture Core, live on location at the Playful Learning Conference. I am your host, Mike Collins, senior learning designer at the Open University, man with microphone and imposter in Jeremy Incarnate, and I am joined as ever by my capable co-host. I'm Mark Childs, uh, senior learning designer at Durham. Yes. And I'm Rebecca Ferguson, a professor at the Open University. And we are joined by a special, special guest. Hello. It's nice Hello. to see you. I'm James Charnock. I, uh, well, I do anything anyone ever asks me to do. Uh, but this year I'm designing the Playful Learning Game. Tell us about the Playful Learning Game. The Playful Learning Game. Well, yes. Um, this year, the theme of festival, um, sorry, theme of Playful Learning is a festival. Uh, so I wanted to try and do something that was inclusive but not... Um, competitive in that sense uh, so something that everyone could get involved with so we came up with the idea of people decorating their own campfires um, by doing a series of challenges effectively so the more challenges you do um, you can trade in um, your winnings to create to 
build your bonfire, for build your campfire. And just a quick recap. Um, so campfires, uh, when we all came in, we were all given a bandana of various colours, and those colours denoted our campfires or Absolutely. kind of our, our, the groups uh, to kind of break up existing groups and yeah. get people mixing and mingling. And the campfires are an actual kind of flammable wooden tray that we were all given at the beginning. Yeah, which uh, initially worried me, as particularly as in the first sessions when you suggested that they were going to actually set fire to it. So mm. um, we've just not told any of the facility staff about the health and safety implications of that. Yeah. <laughs> there are definitely people in my campfire who desperately want to set fire to it. <laughs> and, and we are offered actual flames, aren't we? Indeed, yeah. I don't, I'm just thinking then whether the sort of denouement of this at the end of the conference should be that they all get burned. Mm. But Do I it outside, never said it's not that. a problem. Yeah. <laughs> For any fire safety officers listening, <laughs> or the insurance brokers listening to this after the fact, um, yeah. as they yeah. pick through the yeah. wreckage of um, Leicester University. Uh, this uh, is and every group has a fire starter. Oh, oh we do. Yeah, so do you want to talk to us about like the role of the fire starter and sure. also the, the challenges, the actual challenges themselves? So the role of the fire starter really is that we, I, I, was, I nearly said the oldest members of the Playful Learning community, but not. It's people who've been here quite regularly, so know the score a little bit. Um, and they, their role really is to get the rest of the group uh, involved in what they're doing. So if you've never been to Playful Learning before, orientate you to what we're doing um, and get people as included as possible, really. The challenge is then, I see, this is where, when, we, when I was talking to um, uh, the rest of the committee about it, my favourite thing about these challenges is the chaos that they bring with them. So I want it as much as possible for there to be things that in some cases don't have, don't mean anything, don't make any sense whatsoever, or just make people do strange things and in and around the rest of it. Such mm. as the opening of today where we had like three or four different people randomly burst up, <laughs> declare that other people had birthdays quite close to theirs. Did um, you hear me yell, I bloody love you, uh, halfway through <laughs> your previous recording? Because I did. Oh, I don't think I did. No, I was in the background. I phoned up Puyin and said, oh, I bloody love you, because that was one of the challenges. Okay. That, so listen to that back. You might hear me in the background. I look forward to that. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. The thing is, there's so many. There's, I think we had over 50 in the end. Mm. And so, some, some of them I'd genuinely forgotten about. And then when people do them now, they're kind of news to me as well, which is wonderful from our perspective, because it feels like a, a new thing to us as well. And like in that session, the session I've just been in, someone got up halfway through and tested the microphones. For, for no yeah. apparent reason, <laughs> obviously as a challenge, but um, yeah. It, it, does, it does feel rather like carte blanche though. Like there's going to be some seriously deviant behavior between now and the end of the conference. People <laughs> like, it's a challenge. And you'd be like, I did not like that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> Clothes back on, please. <laughs> and there are people wandering around with umbrellas all yeah. the time. That's puzzling. Again, indoors, th yeah. that's, uh, they're the ones that I really like where there's just, oh, it's a bit Vic and Bob. There's no rhyme or reason to it yeah. at all. Um, they just add to the sort of fun and slight chaos of the situation. So, um, from your perspective, how's it gone? Amazingly. I, you know what's really weird about this? Last year, I was only here for 24 hours because I had some other work to do. And, and then, obviously, the years before that were COVID. And to a degree, I'd fallen out of the way of being at the Playful Learning Conference and being playful generally anyway. And then, well, on the way down, this is the most nervous I've ever felt going to a Playful Learning Conference because I felt a little bit out of my comfort, back out, you know, in and out of my comfort zone, I was back out of it. And then the moment you get here and go, oh yeah, this is what this is about, it's wonderful. Mm. And so it's such a nice playground, because I'm quite an anxious player. And then to come into an environment where everyone is so willing for everyone to, to succeed and do well and everything to be really, yeah, it's fantastic. So 
It, mu- it yeah. must be said, though, that one of the people who's been set up to fail, perhaps, James, is you. Like, so whenever we have a, um, not a keynote, we have a headline act, yeah. there's always like, oh, James, haven't you sorted this out? Uh, what's happened to what's the happened skits. to our headline yeah. act? Yeah, I, I mean that. I think I don't know what I think. There is a really serious bit of me in that, in the sense that under promise over deliver is <laughs> part of my part of my nature. So it, I'm quite happy to exist in that place where people think mm. I might stuff stuff up, and I go, yeah, yeah I did it. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, but that was all. That was all a, an act, wasn't it? Yeah, but it's, it's making use of failure, isn't oh, it? Oh, yeah, making it okay, and then everybody yeah. else does. Yeah, this so true. we all feel yeah. okay about it if yeah. something goes wrong. And this is the last time we are actually at Leicester as a venue, is it? it? Is. So if we do accidentally set it on fire, we're not coming back anyway. Yeah, oh. we've no, we've no further need. Again, this is probably insurance-wise a different yeah, conversation. Possibly not, yes, and not actually publicly. <laughs> but we don't need this building any longer after tomorrow. So it might no. as well burn. <laughs> it might as well burn. That's a really interesting perspective. That's a real glint. Of, listeners won't be able to see the glint. <laughs> Rebecca's eye. So, I mean, when I was speaking to uh, to Alex and Rosie earlier, they were talking about kind of their intent for the conference this year and the festival theme, but also how they really wanted this year to essentially make sure there was nobody left behind, that everybody yeah. had something that was drawing them into the community. Basically, every possible moment of the day that if they saw somebody, even for a second, sitting down on their own, they would be instantly uh, yeah. grabbed and drawn into something. If they think, wanted to be, and I think exactly. that's also good. Isn't no, it? I saw somebody literally being dragged by their ankle to the desk, ah. kicking yeah. and screaming. But um, I think... This challenge, actually, these challenge cards have been a really lovely way of doing it because they've been good ways of just lightly breaking people out of those comfort zones in a fun, playful way, in a yep. sort of little micro reward way, and in a way where you're not doing it directly for kind of a personal competitive benefit, but you're contributing a little bit to your campfire group, which sort of takes a little bit of the stakes out or making it a bit more of a collaborative thing. I mean, I, I had to ask for people's contact details. I hate doing that. I'm very <laughs> bad at asking yeah. for contact details. I had to do that. I did it. Um, and I've seen a lot of other people who I wouldn't necessarily have guessed would jump up in a conference and, and shout in the, the morning address. Um, That's true. I yeah. should tell you about the grey 2K bug. The grey 2K bug? Because we have to tell everybody about the grey 2K bug. That's one of our challenges. Oh, what's the grey 2K bug? You'll find out. Oh, dear. Yeah. So perhaps we should, we should talk about the Tiny Festival because the Tiny Festival Tiny has been Fest. created as part of this, isn't it? Yeah. Which I'd, I didn't know whether it was going to go well at all or there'd be just nothing there. So effectively, when the conference started, that was just a green mat and has now been populated with a whole tiny... This came about because I once went to see Beck at uh, the V Festival <laughs> and he had a tiny version of his band at the bottom of the stage. Oh, all, that's all amazing. All those marionette people. But it was terrifying in this slightly inebriated state I was in because it kept flicking back and forth from the real band to the marionette version Oh, uh, which is screen. deeply disconcerting <laughs> at the time. <laughs> so that's how that it came about. But it's yeah, it's brilliant now. There's, there's a Starbucks with a different name for Starbucks. Um, uh, various other bits and pieces, a merchandise stall, several tents. Uh, yeah, everything a festival could need. I tried to make the sea yesterday, and that's the only bit that looks terrible. <laughs> so we're just over halfway through the festival. What is um, the thing that people are looking forward to most in the second half? Uh, I think tonight's a big deal. This we are obviously the, this has been the last year in Leicester. We are going into Leicester tonight. We've never explored Leicester before. I only know the train station and the road up to this conference centre. <laughs> um, so we have got five possible things for people to do. And then we're all going to come back together um, and have some dinner together and more conversation. I hope so. I think that'll be a huge thing. And then again tomorrow, there's some there's still some fantastic sessions to come up. 
and they're all playful things that are coming up. So I'm doing an escape room this evening, and there's what, chocolate making, mini golf. Yep. Uh, uh, games, the, cafe, Richard the Third Centre. So again, we're, we're we're trying to position it so that there's something for everyone to do, and there's something for people to do if they don't want to do any of those things and they just want to chill out and enjoy mm. the atmosphere here. Nap. Yeah. 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 Well, I've already had mine. Yeah, I'm, I can't. <laughs> I really need one. Mm. Stayed up too late. How about you, Mark? Uh, yeah, the mini golf because um, Mike and I are regular VR golfers, so oh. it'll be very interesting to do it IRL. See if any of those skills are transferable. Is this is the first time you've ever met in real life? No. 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 To golf, I mean. Oh, oh to golf. Like, yeah. yeah. Golf-wise, yeah, be, on a golf course. There's going to be a mini blood. golf course. <laughs> <laughs> and it's treetop golf, so that's quite intriguing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, I hadn't registered that. Okay, let's see how that goes then. <laughs> yeah, tee off from the edge of a branch. Mm. <laughs> cool. Okay, well, uh, we promised you that this was just going to be 10 minutes. We just hit 10 minutes, 15 seconds. So where can people find you online and anything you want to plug? Uh, I am on Elon Musk's profile of choice, mm -hmm. uh, Twitter, so I'm on there. Um, that's a kind of it these days. I've given up most of them. But just come and say hello. It's quicker. Come say hello. Yeah. Good idea. And I'm at Pedagodzilla, and I guess this is the Outski Trotsky. Okay. Okay. <laughs> cool. Um, this is this one's probably the end of the day two coverage, which we'll hopefully going out tonight. There'll be day three coverage going out on day three, which is tomorrow. Um, if you're at Playful Learning, then good for you. See you soon. And if you're not at Playful Learning, come next time. This is like amazing. Where will it be next time? Where will it be next time? Oh, yeah, who knows? Oh, okay. Who is... knows? We're waiting oh. for the big reveal. <laughs> <laughs> cool. We'll love you lots. We'll see you next time. Bye bye now. Bye.